Voices of the Temple, official podcast of the Temple of Witchcraft, exploring mystery and magic through love, will, and wisdom, hosted by Adam Sartwell. Hi, listeners. I'm here with Rachel Mueller, and uh, we're going to start the uh, podcast. You want to say hi, Rachel? Hi, everyone. How are you? So uh, I'll uh, do our invocation, and then we'll get into the nitty-gritty of our questions and all that fun stuff. I call to the Great Spirit. I call to the two who move as one, through the three rays of love, will, and wisdom. I call upon the goddess, the maiden, the mother, the crone, the past, present, and future, creator, sustainer, and destroyer, weaver of the web. I call to the God, Lord of light and Lord of darkness, God of the green and the gold, God of the horn and the red, singer of the song. Be with us now and forever, so mote it be. So mote it be. So, Rachel, we are, you know, doing this for the, like, third time because of some fun technical difficulties. Um, Oh, yeah. Yeah, so is the modern world. It's supposed to make our lives easier, but it doesn't all the time. Um, But you are a recent graduate of Witchcraft 5. Mm-hmm. Along with me and some other some others <laughs> that I hope to get to on the podcast. Um so looking back on your journey from beginning to end, what was the series like and uh what moments stand out to you? Wow. Um I I think when I, I look at the the years with the the mystery school, um there there's so many different points and those aha moments that, you know, I, I kind of look at the, the most recent one, which was our initiation that we mm. went through for the graduation. And one of the words that I really liked that was used uh, that evening when we were chatting after the initiation, someone described it, the experience as tectonic. And mm. I really liked that word because it, it embodied the idea of there was this subtle, deep change inside of us and waiting for that to come to the surface to to really start manifesting and and trying to process what does all of this now mean? You know, what's our next step? But Mm -hmm. um, it was a very powerful evening and it's it's one that you you feel that, that shift in your energetic. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, there were so many different things uh, that we went through over the last five years. It's it's really quite a journey. And, mm. you know, part of a mystery school and, and part of what we ended up embracing is this concept of dealing with, um, you know, things that are beyond traditional, what people would think of as Wicca. And you take that and you go to the next level where you're encountering paradox. Not mm-hmm. so much to resolve the paradox, but how can you operate and hold that paradox? And one that I was just thinking about just earlier today is, you know, that, that thought that we go through with, um, you know, we're not our thoughts and we're not our bodies and we're not our minds. So if mm-hmm. we're not these, if, if we're not these, then, then what are we? And, and really mm-hmm. starting to delve into that. And I think, that embodies what I think most of the years in the mystery school um, helped is to create a space, you know, lessons, guidance, so we can explore yeah. those answers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I, uh, in my own thinking, whenever we say paradox, I feel like um, it's that, we, you know, in our world of experience, we can experience the two different sides of most everything to be able to uh, discern what something is. So, like, you know, the spectrum of colors or 
the spectrum of hot and cold or when we have you know or woman or man and all of these you know things and have and they all have in-betweens but when you bring those things together and you you don't have like a yardstick because you're mm-hmm. encompassing it all you start to get that paradox and then I think that's where the real like great cosmic spirit comes into oh absolutely um, you know and yeah I, I love that concept of expanding to the extremes you know expand to learn and then retract mm-hmm. for balance but it, it creates that undulating type energy where yeah. you, you are going out to those those um, those polarities if you would or those extremes mm-hmm. to have those experiences to expand your consciousness and your awareness but mm-hmm. you do have that spot that you can come back into um, yeah. and not to say one is right or wrong but they're both they, they serve a purpose they yeah. serve movement but mm-hmm. you know there's you know, just one of many. I mean, that that encompasses just a little bit of one of the classes that we went through. And yeah. I, I I think it's the community of the Temple of Witchcraft and in particular the Mystery School that mm. is created that you feel very comfortable to explore and to go out and try these things and know that you've not only got a support system, but you have peers who are there and you can work with them and have this sense of community and connection. Uh, even mm-hmm. being an online student, you know, where I'm not mm-hmm. sitting in, in, you know, Salem, New Hampshire, but still know that uh, I have these people who will in, indelibly be connected to me because of those five and a half years we spent together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to me, you know, even after graduating and walking away um, from them that right after graduation, I know that I really never walked away, that mm-hmm. you guys are always going to still be there. And that community and that family will always be a resource. Yeah. And I like that. <laughs> yeah, that definitely is um, one of the good points of uh, the classes is because you get you know, so many different flavors of people's experience. Yeah, Yeah, and one of the things whenever I talk to people about the the teaching of the temple is I always let them know that it's not a system where you're being told, okay, put your your right foot here and put your left foot here. Oh, you don't have it in the right spot, so you're you're not doing it right. It's Mm -hmm. much more inclusive. It's much more expansive. And I think, you know, it's it's really uh, enhances to the overall experience for everyone in the class because different people are seeing it from different perspectives. Yeah. And that really, it really came out in certain exercises like when we did our reality maps, just to mm. see the variety of how people were expressing the reality, not just in the philosophy or the cosmology, but in the artistry and how different people embrace that. I mean, that in itself was wonderful. Yeah, that was very cool. So speaking a little bit to your journey, where did you come from when you came to the classes? Oh, yes. Um, well, it's it's one of my favorite things, and, and you may have heard me say this before, um, but it's I like to tell people that I came to witchcraft through theology, <laughs> and yeah. it, it's, it's probably not the normal path that a lot of people take. Um, I was studying uh, theology and philosophy in graduate school, and um, I had from, you know, the, the typical story, I had from a very early age felt a very strong connection when I was out in the woods, and um, I felt a sense of divinity in everything, and I think the reason that I chose to go into philosophy and theology was this need to reconcile these internal feelings that I had with divinity being everywhere, but the birth religion that I was being exposed to was saying, no, it's only in one place, and you're separate from it. And that Mm -hmm. never quite jived, and so I needed to academically try to make sense of that. And 
even in uh, grad school, um, I would have certain uh, papers handed back to me where the uh, the faculty member or the professor would say, you know, you're, you're dangerously close to pluralism or, you know, this particular uh, topic makes you sound as if you're embracing, you know, fill in pagan belief. And, you know, it was mm-hmm. at that point that I began to think, when I'm truly speaking my truth, when I'm truly looking inside to say what it is that I feel and what it is that I experience, the that was my threshold to step into uh, looking at witchcraft. And mm. so I had this, you know, this huge work of theology on my, you know, in my backpack, but I was saying, mm-hmm. this is only one aspect. This is only one aspect. There's so, so much more of a broader and rich and beautiful uh, tapestry that makes up what we understand as divinity. And when I began to take uh, Christopher's material, he came to St. Louis, and he did a weekend intensive of the year one material, and that was my mm-hmm. first exposure wow. to witchcraft. I know, what a wonderful way to be first exposed. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, you know, like many people, I was, this is it. This is the the structure that's going to allow me to have the framework to start finding where all these pieces fit and to defining my experiences. So, and a large part of what the mystery school is about is experiential. Mm, and yeah. for me, it was finding that voice, finding that uh, sacredness in the experiential mm-hmm. voice because so much of my uh, my academic training was focused on the spiritual voice had to be to be valid had to be outside outside yeah. transcendent and mm-hmm. then to go to have an experience and say there's something sacred and that sacredness incurred inside of me or something that I was experiencing um, mm-hmm. you know time bomb in the playground of theologians kind of thing. It just was like, yes, this is what really fits. Mm-hmm. Well, that's awesome. Now, uh, speaking to your own path through the, through each of the classes, mm. um, well, I, I know you have something you can share about, you know, the, the class. Oh, yes. Well, year three was, uh, the year that we work with the shamanic witchcraft, and in particular, you're, you're delving into your shadow self. And mm-hmm. that was also the year that I was um, diagnosed with having cancer, a very rare form of cancer, and mm-hmm. um, which for a lot of people, it's a very terrifying thing to get that diagnosis. But for me, it was also um, explanation point, you've got to be kidding, explanation point. Um, only because my past, I I was one of those ridiculously poster child healthy kids who, you know, I never drank, I never smoked, I jogged three to five miles every day, I didn't have my first soda until I was, you know, 14 or 15 years old, just ridiculously healthy. Um, and the particular cancer they diagnosed me with was actually one that uh, was genetic and um was just part of a soup of, you know, how my body was fashioned. And so I was born with it. And um, in the words of the the oncologist, it was just something that was waiting to go off. It it was on its own timetable. And if it wouldn't have gone off now, it just would have been a matter of a question of when. Um, It's a very nasty form of cancer. There, There is no chemo or radiation treatment they can do for it. And Mm -hmm. once it metastasizes, they generally start talking in terms of months of of life left. So in the process of going through shadow work, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. where we're really starting to dig in and finding those things that are our fears and things that make us angry, this came up. And it's a huge perception shift of, wow, wow. You know, what my shadow book looked like 
prior to the diagnosis and what it looked like after the diagnosis was tremendously different. And to look back, you realize it's all about perception. It's Mm -hmm. where do you want to put that energy? Um, And to not leave anybody out there hanging, um, the, the silver lining in all of this is because I had been spending, um, time paying attention to my body, mm-hmm. I was able to pick up on a very subtle feeling, which led me to the oncologist in time for them to successfully remove this before it had metastasized. But it was, um, right at the, it was the size that it could be diagnosed as stage three when it does metastasize. Uh, mm-hmm. it was a size of a pair. Um, but, um, it hadn't actually begun to metastasize. So they were able to successfully remove it. And by doing that, um, you know, I do, you know, ongoing maintenance work where they have to check me out, but um, no reoccurrence. So, um, but I did make it through year three. It was one of those things that um, doing the shadow work, having the tools in place, and especially the concept of the healing work that we do um, as mm-hmm. we're uncovering these things, that all played a critical role. And, you know, at one point I had even talked to Christopher and, you know, obviously because of surgery and um, because of recovery, I was a couple of months behind in turning in my homework. But I was very clear. I said, I'm not behind in doing the exercises. The exercises are what was helping me to get through and, you know, he was yeah. really quite gracious and said, you know, just get the homeworks in when you can. Uh, we're here to help you and with whatever we can help you with. And, you yeah. know, with that, I quickly caught up and got back on track. But it was um, it was the perception shift, which was, I think, the biggest point of going through that. And I spent seven, eight weeks out of work and going back to work. Um, and we all have those, you know, getting caught up in the little stuff that goes on at work and, oh, someone's demanding this at a certain timeline and, you know, don't they understand? And you get caught up in all the little dramas, and I didn't want to be a part of that anymore yeah. at work mm-hmm. because I realized, you know, what's really, truly important. Um, and the hard thing is to not allow your perception to shift back because we get immersed in that and we, we do get caught up in that day-to-day stuff. Yeah. But, um, that, you know, part of year three, part of year four, mm-hmm. um, it was, you know, also about learning to, to maintain that compassion also for myself yeah. and for others. And, mm-hmm. um, it, it just, I think people go into studying spirituality or dedicate themselves to something like a mystery school and they, mm-hmm. they think, oh, everything's going to be peaches and creams and my life should be getting 100% better and everything is wonderful. And I think on one level that's 100% true. Yeah. But it doesn't exclude from all the other stuff that goes on in life. There, there's yeah. just things that you people will experience. Yeah. It's uh, something that we can't avoid, but hopefully, you know, having done all these spiritual things, it happens in a way that, you know, it's not, it's the best, it's the best of the worst scenarios, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, and I do think, I do think that things in life, experiences we go through do have a purpose. Um, mm. But, um it's not always the purpose that suits the personality self. It may be a purpose that's above the personality self. And um, I think that's an important lesson. And I know for me going through cancer, um, part of that was that, that getting past the fear, probably one of the scariest medical diagnoses that could be out there, but getting past that Mm -hmm. fear, but also, You know, a lot of times with me living the life that I lived, if somebody else would come down with cancer, you know, I'd go, oh, you know, well, that person smoked and they they were just rolling the dice or, 
oh, you know, that person, you know, obviously had this really bad, unhealthy habit. And I always was very quick to say, you know, there's obviously a cause and somehow that person has, has brought it upon themselves. Mm. But when I went through something like this and I, I couldn't blame my lifestyle, it was just a genetic fluke uh, akin yeah. to someone being born blind. You know, how do you blame that person? So it, it did open up a level of compassion for me to look at other people and say, you know, there there are a lot of different things that a lot of different people go through. And mm-hmm. sometimes that's um, based on the choices they made, but sometimes it's biology and sometimes it's just life. Yeah. Yeah. I know so many uh, cancer survivors and non-survivors, um, mm-hmm. but it doesn't seem to be one of those things that you really can predict, you know, you're not going to get it, you know? Um, mm-hmm. I've had, you know, nurses, nurses who take, a nurse who took care of herself really well, who got, you know, brain cancer. And mm. um, she, you know, I think part of it, there was a spiritual lesson in, encased in that. Because um, mm-hmm. she didn't really live her life um, to the fullest. And from that, oh, she I... decided she wanted to go swim with dolphins. And um, I honestly think it was the swimming with dolphins that, you know, is the reason why she's, like, alive now. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, it, it is clearly that, that perception shift. And I, you know, I know um, a lot of times I think it's it's tied to that that desire to hold things within and Mm. learn to let things flow, allow things Mm. to flow. And, you know, it's a really hard lesson for a lot of people because um, when things happen to you that are happening to you for no fault of your own, there's a different type of um, process you go through. You know, one process, we want to blame something. You know, I want to blame this person because this bad thing happened to me or this person said this to me and I can find mm-hmm. justice in it. Mm-hmm. But then there's another process that's out there. When bad things happen to you and you can't trace why that happened to you or, or why this person is do, treating you this way or, or why your body has done this to you, that's a different type of process you go through. And I think there's a very valid spiritual lesson and that's the lesson Mm. of holding compassion and appropriate boundaries for yourself yeah but the mystery school has had uh for me personally it's had some amazing wonderful high points as you know you begin to expand these different levels of consciousness and you start opening yourself up uh to the potential of who we are and how we are connected to this greater thing called the divine mind. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. wow, that stuff's mind-blowing. Uh, but it's also, for me, held the, the container for these other experiences. And for me, that was more of the reality of how life is lived by the majority of people. Yeah. It's, there are people who struggle, and then there are people who soar. Mm-hmm. So I think the idea of going on into ministry, for me, that has helped. You know, we talked a little bit earlier about these concepts of extremes. You know, yeah. I, I look at the mystery school as, yeah, I've I've seen some pretty extreme things, uh, but mm-hmm. it's all been part of that expansion to learn. Yeah. And I don't say that to say that's typical with everybody who goes through here. You know, I think everybody has their own particular uh, set of things that they need to go through and patterns they need to go to. Yeah, and lessons that they need to learn. Absolutely. So now that you're a ministerial member for, of the Temple of Witchcraft, what are you going to do? I'm going to go to Disney World. No, that's Yay! <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, what are well, you going? The, what are you doing now? Um, actually, during my my fifth year of study uh, with the Temple. Yeah. I, I started teaching uh, some classes at our, our local metaphysics store here in St. Louis, Pathways. Um, mm-hmm. 
and have been uh, really felt strongly that uh, teaching is something that I feel I am being asked uh, by my guides and teachers to do. And um, one of the other things that uh, I was approached about was being a, a teaching assistant. The, uh, the temple this year are going to have this new role of teaching assistants to assist uh, the dean of students. And mm-hmm. we kind of we kind of fit between the dean of students and those who are mentoring uh, to kind of help absorb some of that workload and add some guidance, you know, for the mentors and students. And so I'm doing yeah. that for year four and loving mm-hmm. this, um, loved year four. And um, I know there's there's so many people who've gone through year four, they go, I love it, or I hate it. <laughs> Uh, but yeah. I think once people go through it and they can put all the pieces together of year four, I think there's more people who, who finally get to that point where they go, okay, I, I see I see this bigger picture and how this all fits in. Um, yeah. But um, I've also started um, teaching a, a year one inner temple study session here in St. Louis. Oh, cool. Yeah, we just finished lesson nine, so we're we're a little bit into it. It follows a similar format where we we meet once a month, um, mm-hmm. and we go through one lesson. And the study session is meant to, you know, give people in the St. Louis area the uh, chance to experience what you all get out in New Hampshire, which is mm-hmm. to, to have that shared in-person group experience. And yeah. um, I, I had uh, initially, because I was still trying to get through year five, I had said, mm-hmm. I only want, you know, like five, maybe seven people at the most, because I still need to get through year five. Um, ended yeah. up having um, a total of eight people sign up. And mm-hmm. then um, there were two other people who had previously attended year one through the mystery school and had graduated and mm-hmm. they found about it and they said, we'd like to just sit in and kind of audit the material just because they wanted to be able to go through the material with a group. Mm-hmm. And I thought that's a really cool thing to, to have that available for people who've also graduated to sit in and, and yeah. get to have that, that group in-person group dynamic as well. Mm. So I'm yeah. hoping that um, this this class will finish up in um, late August, early September, and then uh, I'm wanting to restart another year one and then possibly start uh, a year two class to, to let these people go on to year two. Cool. That's great. So lots of fun things. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, I know you are hosting a booth at and teaching classes at Pagan Picnic as well. Uh, mm. Can you tell us uh, what kind of class you're teaching and what's what's it like at the picnic? Well, a little birdie has told me that you're also coming to the St. Louis Pagan Picnic this year too. So I I'm am, very excited about that. And we're walking around, hopefully, too. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, it's, it's yeah. a wonderful time to to kind of uh, walk around. There's there's a lot of wonderful people there, a lot of wonderful vendors. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's been around for uh, this will be its 22nd year, so oh. it's it's what I would call established in the St. Louis area. Um, but people come from all over uh, the U.S. To, to visit, and we draw a lot of interesting folks. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, we've we've had the temple booth represented in the pagan picnic uh for the last three years so this will be the fourth year and it's my first year uh getting uh the opportunity to to operate the booth and yeah uh, we do a lot of different fun things at the booth uh we're known for doing a little mini rune drawings we have a big basket of about 200 runes and people mm-hmm. will come up to the booth and they they get to draw one of the rune stones, which they get to keep, and we'll do a little you know quick reading of the stone and tell it what tell them what it means and how that might apply to them. People seem to love this. They 
they draw and then they'll go get the family members and they'll, oh, you've got to draw one of these. And that's fun mm-hmm. because, you know, we're just being that presence in the community. Um, we have um, some of the uh, the temple merchandise, Adam, that you know very mm-hmm. well of. And yeah, uh, yeah. we have that available for them. Uh, mm-hmm. We have some of uh, Christopher's books and some of the mystery school books there. And we have information about the mystery school. So if people become interested and want to know something, we can certainly show them what's going on. Um, and this year, we're going to be adding um, the, the opportunity to have full readings that I also understand, Adam, you're going to help with that. Yes, yeah, I'll be there um, <laughs> to do readings and whatever. Um, yeah, so we'll see how that works out. I'm kind of excited. I am uh, yeah, getting all my stuff together to come. And, yeah, so I, I think it's going to be so much fun. Uh, just you know, this will be our first year having one of the co-founders of the Temple of Witchcraft there with us. And mm-hmm. I know all of the people who've uh, signed up to volunteer and help at the booth. We're all excited. So, <laughs> uh, and then we're, we're I know we're we're jazzed here in the Midwest. Uh, <laughs> and. Uh, I'm going to be teaching a class, uh, a workshop, and you're going to be doing a workshop. Um, mine's going to be mm-hmm. on uh, tree identification and the relationship to magic. And since we're going to be in a very picturesque park, Tower Grove Park in St. Louis is just gorgeous. Um, mm-hmm. I wanted to be able to take a uh, a walking tour, a very short walking tour, uh, and help people learn how to identify several different trees and also once they can identify the trees, understand how they can work with that tree and what that tree's relationship is to, to magic and what their properties are. And I've done this class a couple times through the Missouri Botanical Gardens and mm-hmm. in coordination with Pathways. And it's it's a really wonderful time, and it's amazing on how quick people, once you can give them some key things to look for, how quickly people can learn to identify trees, and like as they're driving down the road, they can go, oh look, now I know what that kind of tree is, um, and mm-hmm. I think, you know, we we do honor that nature-based part of our tradition, and you know, trees are a very predominant part of that, um, mm-hmm. and so you're teaching a workshop as well, a workshop as well. Yes, I'm uh, teaching a class on, so you've got a power animal, now what? Um, It's more (laughs) towards the people who've met their power animal uh, or um, animal guides and wants to enhance the working of, with them and how to manifest things with your, with your, the help of your animal guide and uh, how to gather information at, a faster rate and sort of deepen the power of the connection between you and the animal guide. Oh, this is going to be such a great one. Oh, I, th- I think, <laughs> you know, this is going to fit so perfectly with, with everything that's going to be going on. And um, so as a shameless plug, if, if you're in the greater Midwest region or even further out, uh, mm-hmm. this is going to be, June 7th and 8th, and that's a Saturday and Sunday, and Saturday it's 10 a.m. to 7 p.m., and Sunday it's 10 to 5 p.m., and there are uh, going to be a lot of different bands who will be performing. Uh, They run a drum circle that starts with the opening ceremony and runs two days straight. Uh, There's lots of food, lots of vendors several, you know, I would say a couple thousand people who show up um, at any given moment during the day. So mm-hmm. it's, it's a lot of fun. Cool. So if you're in the area, show up. Say yep. hi at the Temple Booth. <laughs> yep. Come by and get a free room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You guys do tarot cards too, right? We do. Um, we we give we actually give people the option at the booth if they want to draw a, a rune or a tarot mm-hmm. card. And awesome. in either case, whichever one they draw, they get to keep that. And, and we work with them, uh, just short little mini things in the front. 
Um, but it's, it's, it's a fun way to, to be out there, and, and people really respond to that. I, we, we get a lot of people who come back year after year and go, you're the people who do the room. You're the people who do the tarot. Yes. And I'm like, yes, yes, we have heard them. Hello. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so um, speaking of the community of St. Louis, uh, last October you guys had a great loss. Um mm. Uh, can you talk a little bit about your memories of Deborah Bourbon and uh, the impact of her loss on your community? Oh, yeah, Deb. Um, it's hard to be in the St. Louis area and not have known about Deborah Bourbon. Um, she had that kind of impact on our community and, and actually well beyond it. Um, Deb was, uh, was an amazing lady. She uh, she's been a teacher in the St. Louis community since the 60s. Um, she actually taught uh, Oberon Zell some of his early mm-hmm. classes. Uh, mm-hmm. She's taught other, you know, uh, known authors. She's uh, helped to get covens and groups started. In fact, uh, there's a branch of uh, uh, people who are practicing up in the Northeast um, called Deborian Wicca, and they actually derived their name from her. So wow. her impact is felt well beyond just the Midwest, but, you know, the epicenter of all of that was here in St. Louis, and, you know, it's just amazing to have that kind of a resource. Um, mm. Deb had decided uh, several years ago that, you know, back, oh, 25, 30 years ago, if you really wanted to do any kind of metaphysical shopping, you had to drive a couple states over to find a good yeah. metaphysical store. And she got tired of doing that, and so she took it upon herself to start developing a store here in St. Louis. Um, and she ended up building up the store, and she moved a couple times, and finally ended up in the location where Pathways is. And you know, she refers to the work she did building up Pathways not only as a, uh, a location where you could bring in, you know, the, the merchandise from, you know, the books of, like, from Llewellyn and Weiser and all these different publishing houses. And, but she also uh, was very careful with how she would stock the store with stones. She would never carry a stone in the store that she didn't know 100% of the backstory of where the stone came from. Or mm-hmm. uh, she would... Uh, support local artisans, pagan artisans, with, you know, displaying, you know, paintings or pottery or stained glass or different things that they had made. But uh, she also was very big on wanting to educate people and to, to develop a foundation of learning that wasn't around in St. Louis, you know, 25 years ago. There were, you know, traditions and different things that that people could seek out and study. But for the average person who's wanting to come in and just say, well, tell me about banishings. How do I do banishings? Or tell me why I I need to understand more about the tree of life. Or Hmm. could someone teach me something about tarot? So she developed several series of classes and began teaching and that became a very core theme around the pagan community around St. Louis is what classes have you taken from Deb Bourbon? And yeah. uh, it, it's wonderful that I'll meet people. Uh, in fact, I just met one this morning and she said, Oh, I, I knew Deb for 12 years and I, I took this class from her 12 years ago and I'm running a refresher course. And I'm like, mm. wow, 12 years ago. Um, what an impact, what a life. Yeah. So um, how do you feel that uh, the community is moving forward now from that loss? Well, Deb was able to know that uh, her her days were going to be running short. So Deb Mm -hmm. felt strongly about preparing pathways as what she called her life work as a place that's going to be sustainable. And 
it was amazing to see that once word began to circulate what was, you know, happening with Deb's health, how the community rallied behind Deb initially to help her to get through that time. Um, mm. There were people who would drive her to appointments, bring her meal, um, make sure that she was going to, to have the support that she needed. But even though she was going through this, she was looking at how to uh, hand the administration of the store over, how to hand the teaching that was going, as, as she referred to it, she, she told me she felt it was the bread and the butter of the store. Uh, you know, how that was going to be handed off and who would be doing that. Um, she took a very uh, front and center interest in making sure that would be sustained. So after Deb had, had passed, the community didn't dissolve. In fact, mm. it helped to solidify where people were saying, we're going to make sure Pathways survives, and we're going to make sure that the community is still intact. And, you know, I look at the store now, and all the people who've stepped up, and I've looked at the, the greater pagan community and the outpouring of people, you know, after Deb's passing, and you realize that in a lot of ways, pagan communities can be focused on their own little groups, but yeah. here's a woman who was able to bring all of those diverse different groups from all these different diverse backgrounds, and that, and she became a hub. And it yeah. was beautiful seeing everybody gather at her memorial mm -hmm. and to realize she has woven a web that is yeah. there and is still intact. And I, I think people are looking to see that go on. Well, good. So, we love Deb. <laughs> so <laughs> coming back to you, uh, you have a lot of interests that you've gone through. Mm. Um, you've been a martial artist. Um, you play music. You do archery. You were an ice skater. Um, how did all these things illuminate or inspire your your path? Uh, one day at a time. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I guess I just have enough tenacity in me to not know when to let go of things. Um, yeah. <laughs> and um, the, the reason I got started in martial arts is, you know, one of my brothers said, oh, you need to know how to defend yourself, and you and I were going to go take martial arts classes, and you're going to learn to defend yourself. And, you know, in the back of my mind, I'm like, well, I can still kick your butt without him, you know, kind of thing. But mm -hmm. I, I signed up for the classes, and, you know, after a year, he dropped out, and I'm like, well, I'm going to stick with this. And, you know, 22-some-odd years later, I was still doing it. Um, but for me, I I think I've always had that, um, that annoying toddler, two-year-old voice that never quieted in my adult mind of needing to know why and what, yeah. what's beyond the next step and where will this path lead me and, and leaving myself open to that. And, you know, getting involved in martial arts was a good fit because it, it is very aerobic, very mm -hmm. uh, precise, but there's, there's a discipline. And one of the takeaways that I, I took in particular with martial arts into spirituality is I always believed that almost anybody could do martial arts if they just stuck with it. The, the goal was show up for the work. Yeah. And, you know, 22 years later, I've got my black belts and I'm working with swords and doing all of this stuff. And my brother, who, you know, was able to last a year, I thought there's no reason he couldn't be here too. But the lesson yeah. is that it's a very fire lesson, which I guess goes with martial aspects. But um, I think a lot of things that go on in uh, especially spiritual systems, 
is people need to show up for the work. That's that's yeah. the first big thing. And if they show up for a work, the work, a lot of the other stuff kind of takes care of itself. Mm-hmm. And um, allowing the process to go through. On my last six years, I worked very heavily in the Bushido code. Yeah. Um, and when you you're doing sword work, a lot of it is you know, the sword that's going to not only cut externally, but also cut internally, and, and how is that looking inside of yourself? And you ultimately decide or come to the point where you realize the only person you're ever really fighting against is your own your own voice, your own dialogue, your own perception. Mm. But, awesome. um, but after 22 years of martial-oriented training, I decided that I was going to honor a a softer path. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. uh, I like to tell people I traded in one blade for two blades, and I started uh, doing uh, figure skating, which it it may not create immediate connections, but um, it is a lot about uh, dynamic muscle control and balance and a lot of the exact same things you go through in martial arts. So a lot of it equated, uh, at least as far as the discipline, the precision, and the muscle work, the body work, yeah. mm-hmm. it, it was a pretty fluid transition. And, you know, before long, I'm doing the jumps, I'm doing the spins, and I, you know, get caught up in going to competitions. And, um, again, it had that same theme. You know, a lot of adults, hate the idea of, oh, I don't want to go figure skating, I'm going to fall. Who wants to fall and get hurt? But for me, it was show up for the work. Show up for the work. Yes, I came home today and I've got a bruise here and a bruise here and I'm achy all over. Show up for the work again and work yourself through the process. Um, The the figure skating stayed with me until I... um, ended up having uh, the surgery for the cancer, and they had to uh, cut through my my core muscles, which took away um, a lot of that strength that I needed to do uh, a lot of the competitive-type skating I was doing. Yeah. Um, but for me, I love the feel of moving and in sports, so um, I ultimately got into archery, and the theme is there again. It's precision, you know, repeatable, predictable results and um, Mm -hmm. the artistry. Um, There's something intoxicating about loosing an arrow and letting it float through the air, you know, 50 yards in that second or two, that second it's in the air where you hear (laughs) there's something Mm -hmm. fun about that. Um, (laughs) But yeah, um, and I've been drumming since I was in fifth grade. You know, it's one of those things where you, you walk down the hallway and, you know, you're, they lead you to the cafeteria and you go pick out an instrument. And um, I've been doing that and um, I've ended up doing percussion in concert band, jazz band, ensembles, pep bands. And nowadays mm-hmm. I play with my husband in a, uh, uh, we, we're in a working band that we play out a couple times a month. Um, we do everything from classic rock to country to blues to you name it, uh, whatever mm-hmm. we, we find fun to play. But for me, I also do drumming in circle. And yeah. I, I love being able to bring that energy in. Um, uh, I'm one of these weird drummers who can sing and play at the same time, and I can read and play at the same time, only because I've been doing it for so long. Uh, yeah, And it, it's nice that I can bring that element in, but... For me, drumming, um, a lot of my life was spent in academia. A lot of my life has been about that internal philosopher, you know, that annoying why, why. (laughs) Mm -hmm, Drumming is just fun. You know, uh, there's this idea of working with your your spirit guides and finding that joy guide and that Mm -hmm. connection to finding just fun. And um, I got to let you know, there's there's hardly anything as, as fun in drumming as you start playing a song and it's got a particular tribal beat and you see a 35-year-old stuffy guy wearing a suit and tie get up and just go bananas, <laughs> you know, because yeah. he's, he's dancing and having a great time and he just gets lost in the music. 
And you literally see that person transform before you. Where, you know, two hours earlier, he was probably a businessman stuck behind a desk, you know, working through some uh, case study or something. And now he's able to let go and he transforms in front of you. And I always get a kick when I look out in the audience and I see that happen. Yeah. So, yeah, I keep myself be a good feeling. You know, in fact, I'll be playing later tonight. We, After we get off this recording, I'll be packing up and, and heading off to a gig. Awesome. Yep. So well, any request, I'll yeah. play something for you, and I'll shout it out. And this one's for Adam. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, can't, I can't really think of one, but uh, that'd be awesome. <laughs> Just pick something awesome, you know. Um, I'll, I'll pick one and dedicate it for you. Yeah, yeah that'd be <laughs> awesome. <laughs> well, uh, it has been a pleasure to talk with you um, and on the podcast, and I am so thankful that you were able to do this um, podcast with me. Um, oh, I really enjoyed chatting with you and, and sharing, and just love talking with you. Yeah, yay! So um, we'll just do our uh, sort of. Hail and farewell to the great spirits, and uh, and the listeners don't have to listen to us anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so we thank the great spirits and the two who move as one. We thank the three rays of love, will, and wisdom. We thank the God and Goddess who work through us and move through us. We recognize your presence in our lives. Blessed be. Merry Meet, Merry Parts, and Merry Meet Again. Merry Meet Again. Blessed be everyone. Blessed be. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Voices of the Temple. The contents of this podcast are copyright 2014 to the Temple of Witchcraft. Blessed be.